0: All right, there we go. Good morning. good morning. Are we sure? Are we sure everyone had showers? Because we we're a little lopsided again. So we're good. All right. Well, hey, I'm excited this morning. Um, and I, I miss, I don't know about you. I miss when we don't have church. I miss when, when I'm, when I'm not able to gather and stuff, and, and, and be with our family like this, and, and or if I have to go and travel somewhere. So I, I love being a part of this church. And I love the family. I love the messages I got and hearing from people um, throughout the week and, and bragging how they already got power and, 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 and all that. But man, God is just good. I mean, literally, you know, I was thinking about when we packed up to like evacuate to get out of our house and everything, go to the friend, and everything. You know, we're in a new like manufactured home, and the thought just kept going what if we have nothing to come back to? You know, what, what if, like, what we put in our bags and we took with us, that, that's it? Or, you know, what, what if, the, like, the church and the roof is gone? Because I, I know there's construction here. Um, and, and in the midst of that, God just kept saying, you know what? I got a plan. And, and it's all good. And, and thankfully, everything is still, I'm just missing one piece of siding uh, on the side of my house and, and a tree that was really pretty that fell the opposite direction. Um, but um, God is just good. And he just reminded me again that, yeah, he can calm the storm. Jesus is the one that can say, hush, be quiet. But more times than not, he's the one that rides the storm with us. And and we get to see that. And so um, we've been talking for weeks. um, It feels like months, maybe, (laughs) about um, just finding direction in our lives, making decisions and following God's will in our life and figuring that. And I believe this morning that a lot of us have... um, God's been doing kind of that tug on our heart and God's been saying, "Yeah, I don't want to call you to this and everything." And it is it's great that we sit here and we think and we pray and we do all that stuff. And we make big plans, and big dreams and everything. But the rubber hits the road is when we actually start doing something about it. And really, that's, that's what I want to talk about because that's where the hard part comes. We've talked a lot about like, um, you know, praying and getting wisdom and discerning wisdom and doing all that, but, but that, the actual put flesh to it, actually to do something about it, that's, I think that's where we, we run into a problem. I love R.C. Sproul, he's a great preacher, great theologian today. He says, the issue of faith is not so much whether we believe in God, but whether we believe the God we believe in. And when I read that (coughs) this week, I was reminded, I was in a class, in a seminary class, and the professor says, do you believe in the God that you preach? I mean, we we come and we sing songs and we raise hands and we pray and stuff, but do we actually believe in the God that we believe in, that he will do everything, that he he is faithful and, and he is strong enough to help us to do the things that he's calling us to do? Because in the end, that's, that's really where it meets. That, that, that's where the rubber hits the road. That, that's where every, <laughs> are you calling me? <laughs> but, but I mean, that's it. And so it comes down to the idea, do I trust that God will do what he's calling me to do? Am I able to accomplish it? Am I able to, will he give me everything that I need to do it? And, and all those things. And, and so this morning, what I want to do is talk about the faith to start. Which is probably the hardest thing. It's easy to dream. It's easy to do all this other stuff. But the faith actually started. And we're going to look at a guy named Nehemiah. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. And, and as I always say, and as I firmly believe, the only authority that we have in this church is the, is these words. They're the only ones that matter. They're the only ones that can actually change lives and, and do anything for us. And so um, if you would, out of respect... And out of acknowledgement of these words, would you stand with me as we read Nehemiah chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It said, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that I, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who, have, who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates destroy, are destroyed by fire. Will you pray for me? God, I just thank you this morning for the opportunity just to gather again. God, to come and, and be a part of what you're doing. Father, you knew every person that would be here. God, you know exactly what needs to be said. God, you know exactly what needs to be done. So, Father, would you just move this morning? God, we do thank you for your protection over and over again, just overwhelmed by your grace in our lives and in the lives of our families. God, this morning you have something for us. So, Father, I I ask, first of all, that it would be your words, not mine. God, hide me. But, God, also that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond and courage to actually do something about it this morning. God, that we would leave changed. Father, would you just have your way. Speak to us through your word. God, change us and send us out, God, for your glory, for your praise. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So it's this idea that, yeah, we can... Man, we can dream and we can pray and we can we can start with a whole bunch of big plans and big ideas, but it's a whole nother thing when you actually step out and do something, you know. And, and, and over the last couple of weeks, we we've talked about this idea that God God is calling us, and that we can we can um, first we have to know who we're supposed to be before we know what to do. That God's goal for you and me is to conform us into the image of Christ. We are to be made perfect once again and to live a holy life and to become that person. And once we find that out and once we start living that and experiencing that, then we can start figuring out what we're going to do. It's so often, it seems like in our culture, um, it's gotten a little bit better, but for the longest time, if a celebrity said, oh, I made a decision for Christ, like two days later, we wanted them up on stage speaking, and so many of them failed and, and struggled with that because they had no idea who they were supposed to be first. And so we started there, and then we talked about discerning wisdom and being able to, to ask God for wisdom and to get other people around and ask the things for that. And to start discerning what God is calling us to. And then then we start telling that there's a process that we go through. That God tugs at us and and he starts leading us in a different direction. And I feel like some of us, if not all of us, somewhere in in this room tonight, this morning, we have felt that tug. That there's something that we see. There's something that we need to start. We see a need or we see something that God has kind of put a passion in and we need to do something about it. And here's where the issue is all the time. It's that too many people, the start is the thing that stops them. You know, there are so many people this morning, I guarantee you, that are praying for God to move in their communities and, and to do something in their churches and, and to do something in the country. But that's all they're doing. You know, and, and I'm not knocking prayer. Prayer is really important, and we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. But, but at some point, we have to start. And that's what's happening with Nehemiah here. Nehemiah sees a great need. Looking back at uh, Nehemiah 1, you know, just, just a little bit of the history here. Here's the, here's the Jewish people. They had said, God had promised He says, listen, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. If you disobey me, you go against me, then trouble's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. The, the, the chosen people chose to do their things their way. And because of that, God lifted His hand of protection. They were overcome by the Babylonians, they were taken into captivity for 70 years. And after 70 years, they were allowed to start returning back home. And that's kind of almost where we're picking up. And Nehemiah sees this and sees the need. And again, verse 1 says, Now the the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, Now it happened in the month of Chislev, the 20th year, I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah and one of my brothers came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. He's like, what's happening back there? I know people have been going back. And they said to him, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now, I want you to understand something. They were in captivity for 70 years. After 70 years, they started going back. When Nehemiah gets his word, it's been 140 years since the exile. So another 70 years. And the walls are still in ruins. And if you know anything about culture back then, for a city, the walls were important. That was their security. That was kind of, you know, people look and they saw big walls. They're like, oh, that's a great city. And so the Babylonians came in and destroyed it all. They burned all the gates and burned all the walls. And, and Nehemiah hears this, that there are people living there and there's no protection. And, and this great city that was Jerusalem, it's in ruin and, and, and nobody's doing anything. And, and so he hears that and he says, something's got to happen. And I believe all my heart that God has shown us as a church and he's shown us as individuals things that, that just need to happen. That someone's got to do something. I, I, I like to call it a divine burden. That I think God puts, puts on our hearts something that looks beyond us. And something's got to work. Something, something's something's got to be done. And so Nehemiah thankfully says, okay, I'm going to do something about it. See see the truth is is um you never finish something you don't start. And, I, and unfortunately there are so many churches and so many people of faith right now that says, "Man, I'd love to see God like move in my neighborhood and everything and I'm going to pray for my neighbors, but they won't cross the street to go and share the gospel with them." Or I want to see God move in my church and do this or they won't show up and do this. And and so the, the not anything we don't start never gets finished. And I think Nehemiah knew this, and he got a burden on his heart. He said, we've got to do something for the people that are there. We've got to do something for the city and, and, and get all that. And so Nehemiah decides, I'm going to do something. He has the faith to start. So, so where do you start with that? And as I said, you know, if all we ever do is pray and we never do anything, it's not much good. But prayer, it has to start there. You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We ask God for wisdom. We ask him for his leading. And, and we start praying for the things. Listen, <coughs> I believe all my heart, the things you care about, you pray about. So literally if you if you're not praying for this church, if you if you're not praying for me as pastor or or the elders and stuff, then I question, do you do you really care? Because the things we care about, we pray about. I used to tell students they'd complain to me about their teachers and their principals and they'd be like, "Oh, they're horrible and they're just terrible people." And I'd say, "Hey, do you pray for them?" Well, no. I'm like, "Then shut up." <laughs> you you don't care. You know, our country and in our community, I mean, if we, we start with prayer, and that's exactly what Nehemiah starts with. Look at verse 4. Nehemiah says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. For days, Nehemiah prayed. And so if you want to read a great prayer, I'm not going to read it this morning, but go on and read the rest of chapter 1. And just this amazing prayer. Because Nehemiah comes to God and he does a couple of things in his prayer. He acknowledges who God is. He acknowledges that God, you're God, I'm not. You're in control. You're bigger than the walls that are broken down. You're bigger than storms that can come. You're bigger than all this. And we acknowledge it. And then he confesses. And, and I love that. He confesses not only, he confesses his sin, but he also confesses the sin of the people. He said, God, we've turned from you. We did exactly what you told us not to do, and this is what we get. And then he remembers the promises. And I know there's a lot of people. Listen, I'm I'm not naive to think um, that that um, the USA, the United States of America, is God's new chosen people. I, I just want you to know that never changed. That has always been the Jews. God, they have always been His chosen people. But I do believe at some time we had God's blessing and we had God's favor and His protection. And I know I will hear in the coming days, as I always hear, it says, well, if God loves us so much and God cares so much, why does like, why does Hurricane Harvey and Irma happen and all this other destruction and all this stuff? And it's very simple that we have looked at God and said, God, we don't need you. We can do it ourselves. We'll take care of ourselves. And, and he lifts that hand. And so Nehemiah understands that's what happened to his people. And so God lifted the hand of protection. The Babylonians came in. And we look at our culture and we see, man, what is going on here and we, we need to turn and pray that God would move. Because at one time, I believe this this country was so blessed that we sent more missionaries and, and supported more missionaries than any place in the world that has ever been seen. And so I, 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 I think we've always been a Christian-ish nation. I think we have always been a nation that has been founded on Christian beliefs. But when we turn and look at God and say, God, I, I just, I don't want to, I want to do it my way, then this is what you get. I I believe that with all my heart. That if you don't want God's protection, then don't complain when it's not there. But he remembered the promises. He remembered that God is faithful, and and he praised that. And I mean, listen, verse 11, he says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, as a cupbearer to the king. Now, it could have stopped right there. Nehemiah says, oh, just God, would you read the, build those walls? And God is capable to come down there and put bricks all together and everything. He didn't need anybody. And it could have stopped right there, but Nehemiah takes it a step further. He, he stops praying about it, or he continues to pray about it, but then he takes a step. And that's the hard part, isn't it? We, we know that God's put a burden on our hearts. God has called us to do something, that there's some direction, some new thing or some, something that we have not been doing. And it, but Nehemiah takes that step, and he goes to the king. If you read the first part of chapter 2, it says he comes to the king, and the king notices that he's sad and he's downtrodden. By the way, that's against the law in this time. No one showed up to the king with bad news or a sad face. If you did and you disappointed the king, it was usually you were put to death. <laughs> you know, it, it, was like, it, was like, it was like those church days you know, when you walk in and you, everybody knows that your life is crazy and everything, and they're like, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm fine, everything's good. That's what they had to do with the king no matter what's going on. But, so Nehemiah shows up and the king, and God gives blessing, and God honors him with that, but he took the step. <coughs> and, and that's what we're calling to do, and that's what I think God is calling us to do. So how do we do something big? How do we do something that's beyond ourselves? I mean, Nehemiah's looking at an entire wall around an entire city saying, how do I, there's no way I can do this on my own I, what 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 do we need to do you know I, I think so often we see those commercials you know the lady gets on there like I lost 200 pounds and we're like that's awesome how'd you do that and I try it for two weeks and eat lettuce and I gain three pounds <laughs> and I get frustrated like oh and we get these big dreams and that stuff and, and that's that's part of my issue I, I'm a dreamer I, I love big dreams. Like I, I, can, I can envision hundreds of people coming to church, thousands of people going out, and, and this community change, and I can see that, and, and I do that, and I believe that God wants to do big things. God always does big things and everything, but how do you do something big? I want to give you a couple of things this morning. The very first thing is start small. I, I think we just got to, you, you start small. You sit and you take that first step, I I love it. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range throughout through the whole earth. You know, another version says, don't despise the small things. Don't despise the small start and everything. And, and so often I think we are such an instant society that like, okay, God, you have given me this dream and, and I want to see this. I want to see my entire neighborhood come to know Christ and, and just revival break out there and everything. So I'm going to sit here and wait till it all happens. <laughs> and it, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's the idea of just, of just starting small, of just kind of stepping out with that. I want you to think about something for a minute. For those of you that have kids, rem- remember when they were babies and they took the first step and they looked like a little drunk sailor and they kind of fell down and everything. And but I mean that little tiny wobbly step, we all sit there and go like, yeah, that's awesome." See, I missed my first daughter, my oldest daughter. I was in Iraq when she took her first step, and so all I saw was pictures because that you couldn't even. There was no like Facebook and post videos and stuff like that. There was no Wi-Fi in the middle of Saudi Arabia and Iraq, so I just there were no towers yet. So I didn't. So my second daughter, I was there, and I remember she just kind of like, she was holding on to the table, you know, they got those wobbly legs, and they're kind of sitting there, and I'm like, come on, come on, and she takes that one step. I'm like, yeah, and I scared her, and she fell backwards, and she started crying. But we get so excited about that little tiny thing. It, it's, it's just the first step. How much more does God get excited for us when he sees us take that little nervous, wobbly step? Towards the direction he's leading us, just a little step, just 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 a little movement. Okay, God, I'm not sure about this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I mean, that's Nehemiah. Nehemiah had no idea how we're going to rebuild this wall and how how we're going to do this. And so he starts small. He he goes and 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 he rallies the people and he goes and inspects. He travels like 800 miles. From Susa, just to look at the wall and see its disarray and and everything. And and then he gathers everyone. Look, Look at Nehemiah 2, starting verse 17. After he's done all this and he's inspected and he's looked, he gathers all the people together, all the priests and the nobles and the officials. And he says to them, verse 17, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Not one brick had been laid yet. Not one thing had happened yet. He just passed a vision and saying, hey, here we can do this. God is with us and for us. And all we got to do is just take that first step. And over the coming weeks, there would be people there putting up bricks, and each family, he would separate the families and say, okay, you have this wall, this part of the wall, you have this part of the wall. And they would sit there, and they would have a sword in case robbers come to protect one another. But they just started really small. They started just saying, listen, let's just get everybody together, and this is possible. See, I, I think that sometimes we think starting small thinks that we're thinking small. That, that if, if you start small, then, then you're just thinking small, and it will never grow more than that. For, for years, people came up to me, friends, and said, hey, you need to go plant a church or go pastor a church and, and, and you know, leave youth ministry. You're too old for that. You're grumpy now, and your bones creak. So, so the, the, it's, it's, time to, it's time to move on to something else and everything. And when I finally said, yes, God, that, that's what we're going to do, I was inundated with people telling me how to plant a church. I was in it. I read everything I could get a hold of and I talked to people and I said, "God, uh, we w- these people say we need 50 people to even start. We need a planning team like this and then we're going to need this much money and we're going to need this much stuff and and all stuff." And I had a list, a checklist of everything that you're supposed to have. And I remember my wife and I looking at each other just saying, "What uh, we don't have any of this stuff. What do we do? I don't know how to do this. I have no idea what's going on." And so we said, "Hey, God, I, we feel like you just said start, so we're going to start. And eight people shows up to my living room. By the way, out of those eight people, only one of those people are still here. And, and God said, just just start, just take that little step. And I think God has honored that, and we've seen we've seen thirty, forty people here. We've we've seen we we see growth happening, we see God moving and stuff because it, you you just have to start. Listen to me. You don't have to have the faith to finish. So, so many of us, you know, we sit there and go, like, okay, I'm going to need this, this, and this to do that. If I'm going to reach my friends, or if I'm going to, if I'm going to fix my finances, whatever God is calling you to do, I'm going to get out of debt, or I'm going to start tithing, or I'm going to start doing this, and and the, this is what it's going to look like. You don't have the faith. You don't have to have the faith to finish. You just have the faith to have to have the faith to start. I think that's all God's asking of us. I want to see my neighbors come to know Christ. Maybe it's just going over and introducing yourself to your neighbors to start with. Hi, my name is, I'm your neighbor. Maybe there's a little bit more we can do. Maybe it's it's just a little step. See, we started with eight, and i got to tell you something, I've never been satisfied with 8. Listen, I'm not satisfied with 8,000. I'm not satisfied until every person in four corners gets a chance to hear the gospel and make a decision for themselves. And the rest of the state and the rest of the world. I'm, I'm never going to be satisfied. Uh, you just understand. I, I've had some people like come up like, y- y- you're trying to grow too fast. You, you tr- don't worry about growing a bit. I said no because the more people we reach, the more hope, and the more things change. And so I'm I'm never satisfied, but at some point you have to say, God, I'm just going to take that step. <coughs> and, and I think this morning God is tugging on some of our hearts, saying, You know what? I, I need to I need to start tithing. I, I need to start. I need to start. You know, I've, I've got to join a church and I've got to say, like, I'm going to be a member, an active member of it. Or, or, you know what, I'm going to start going out and meeting my neighbors and finding their needs. What a great time. I mean, you think of all the trash that is everywhere and all the debris. What a great opportunity for us just to walk around to our neighbors and say, hey, can I help you? Can I help pick up some of your branches and stuff? Why are you doing this? Well, because I love Jesus and he loves you and, and you're my neighbor. You just have to have the faith to start just just to take that little... Step. It doesn't have to be a leap. It doesn't have to be anything. It just—it's a step in the direction that God's leading you. That's how—that's how you start doing something big. That's how you accomplish something big. So, what do you do after that? What do you do after um, you take that first step? Then, that—that that scary first step where you step out and stuff. I, I tell you, uh, that Sunday morning, I was terrified when my wife said, "Let's have church here." I'm like, I'm going to put it on Facebook, and I was thinking it was going to be me, my mother-in-law, and my wife. That was going to be the shortest service ever. You know, I I was terrified when we realized, God, we can't stay in the house anymore, and now we've got to step out. Even if it means I don't get paid and stuff, we need to step out into uh, a building so that we can grow and have space to grow. You know, I I was terrified when I said, man, we configured this place wrong and we need to remove, we need to reset stuff and get some tents because we're going to start seeing kids. And and, and I'm terrified now thinking, like, I walk down past that place all the time saying, God, I don't know how we can ever afford this. I know you can. I don't know how we are. But, God, I just feel like we need to move and we we need to get more space and and we need to be doing more in the community. And, And so it's always that first step is the scariest step. So what do you do after that step? you take the next step (laughs) listen I can can almost guarantee you that if you start going in a direction that God has called you that if you take that seriously and say okay no matter how small or how big a step I'm going to take that step that you're going to start facing opposition that there's going to be things that keep coming against you and this stuff And there's some times where you just got to put your head down and just keep stepping you know In, in the army we had a simple saying all the time suck it up and drive on Whatever, so, it means just put your head down, put your head to face that desert storm, and you just keep driving on. You just keep taking another stuff, And that's what Nehemiah did. Look at Nehemiah. Look at verse 19. He gets everyone rallied. and gets them all up. It says in verse 19, But when Sembalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite's servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion of right or claim in Jerusalem. Here's the idea. As soon as they said, Hey, we're going to start building, all the enemies, all the people around us said, What are you doing? You're idiots. You're never going to do this. That's impossible. You know, how many of you have been around a negative Nelly? I have a negative Nelly in your life that just walks around where every time you're like, hey, we're going to try this. And they're like, I oh, won't work. I mean, it's like we have a culture full of Eeyores. Uh, it's going to fail. And we hear that and we hear the opposition. And Nehemiah says, no, man, we are going to trust God. We, we're, the God of heaven will make us prosper. This is his work, not our work. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to keep stepping. And I can promise you, in the times, in the future times that are coming for this church and for your life, the more you try to follow Jesus, the harder it's going to be at times. The more you try to go in that direction, the more opposition you're going to get. Because we have an enemy that says, I don't want to see light in four corners. I don't want to see a light in your family. I don't want to see hope restored. I don't want to see forgiveness happen. I don't want to see your neighborhoods and people that are lost and, and alone and separated from God come to know him. I don't want to see any of that. And so I'm going to put up opposition. And, I'm to, and people are going to say, that's crazy. That's crazy. I remember when we first planted down here and we started this church and, and my friends that were church planners and other pastors, they come up like, oh, you finally did it, that's awesome. Where'd you plant a church? I was like, at Four Corners. And they're like, oh. You know, more churches have failed down there than have made it. I'm like, well, thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> God bless you, I'll pray for you. <laughs> that's, that's a Christian cuss word, by the way. I just want you to know when we say it that way. <laughs> But I have people in the and I you know people call me and stuff in these great like big church playing organizations like hey yeah we'd love to come alongside you how many people do you have to start so, well we're like eight or ten people right now oh well you know you need like fifty <laughs> I'm like well give us a couple of years <laughs> we'll have fifty but you just you keep stepping see I mean I I. I Remember all the Christmas shows? You know, the one the little claymation ones and everything, you know, like Rudolph and all this. There there's there, there there was one about the story of Santa Claus, and there's a song that's in my head all the time. And it says, just put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking through the door. I mean, what a great spiritual truth from a non-spiritual show. <laughs> And sometimes we just we just got to say, God, by faith we're we're going to step. By faith we're 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 going to trust. We're we're just going to keep stepping. I, I love this. Francis of Assisi said this: Start doing what's necessary. Then what's possible. Then suddenly you are doing the impossible. Start doing what's necessary. Start, start praying. Start meeting your neighbors. Start tithing. Start, start just do like just God. I just like you know, and I, I know it's like it's a lot of people like tithe this ten percent. Well, maybe maybe like God, I I can. We're going to start with five percent, and we're going to just keep trusting you and move as you do that, God. Or I'm just going to go meet my neighbors. I'm going to walk around my neighborhood and pray for them by name because I have a list of their names now through Bless Every Home, and. And when they ask me what I've been doing, I'm going to tell them, I'm praying for you. And, I'm going to, and, and just start doing what's necessary. And then what's possible, as God opens more doors. And then the next thing you know, you're standing here with me and as a church, and we're saying, look what God has done, the impossible. Things that we couldn't even imagine. And it all started with one small step. Just the faith to start. We have to keep stepping Nehemiah and his group, they kept stepping. They kept doing, they kept putting a brick. They guarded, they worked with swords in their hands and they guarded the wall. And they would send people against them, mocking them, And they just said, no, we're gonna going keep doing it. We're gonna keep doing. Look what happens. Turn all over to Nehemiah chapter six. Nehemiah six, look at verse 15. And said, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they were perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. There, there are scholars today that look at this and say, there is no way humanly possible that they fix those walls and rebuild those walls in 52 days. There are people standing around us right now says there's no way this church is going to last another 52 days. There's no way they're going to move and they're going to get into a bigger space. There's no more they're going to reach people. And yet I say that if we keep stepping, if we just keep moving and say, God, we're just going to trust you, that everyone's going to look around and they're not going to say, wow, Tony, you're a great pastor because they know me. They're going to say, what an awesome God that did this. But you and I will never experience that if we don't take a step. Whatever God is pulling you to, whatever God is is asking you to do, you'll never experience that unless you take that first step. Listen, pray about it. Pray and ask God's favor. Ask God's blessing and, and opportunity for him to open the doors. But when he opens that door, then walk through it. When he opens that door for a neighbor or a coworker for you to share the gospel, then step in there. When he opens the door for you to be a blessing because he's blessed you financially and you can bless ministries and and other people, then step through that door. When, when he gives you a chance to step up in some leadership and to lead a ministry and say, you know, I want to see, I want to see women's ministry happening every month. And I want to see men's ministry and I want to see the youth grow and, and the children grow. And that door opens and just step through it. And when opposition comes, just keep stepping and see what God does with our obedience and our faithfulness, because that's all he asks. All God asks is for us to obey. Not to guarantee the outcome, not to guarantee anything, because God's the guarantee. All we have to do is step. And so, yeah, we 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 get our life in a position where we are becoming who we're supposed to be. So we can start doing what God has called us to do and we, and we seek his wisdom and we pray and we ask people to surround us and ask them that. And then we start going through that process. We feel the tug. We can discern because we're so close to God in his heart. We know what he's pulling us to. And then finally we step and do that. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. As I promise you, this week, if, if God is tugging at your heart and you take that step, that there's going to be a reason to give up this week. There's going to be a reason just to stop and say, well, that didn't work. But I I'm, I'm encourage you, don't don't give up. I know I haven't. I know my God is bigger than my grocery bill this month. God, God is bigger than than the needs of this church and and the budget process that we're beginning and trying to get through. Even though, you know we lost a week, and yet God provided and we paid rent on time. I know God is bigger than that, and I know this opposition is going to come, but let's not grow weary in doing good, because in due season, and the season's coming. You know, you know the best part about winter is spring. In, in winter, every, everything dies and everything struggles and everything, but when that spring hits, man, those trees start to blossom, the birds start singing. I, I love that this storm blew everything all around us. And yesterday, I stood in my backyard wondering and saying, wow, electricity. Who thought I would ever miss it this much? And I started hearing birds chirp that I haven't heard all week because in due season we reap if we don't give up if we don't give up you just need the faith to start you, you, you need to dream big man dream a dream so big that if God's on it it'll fail for your life for this church just dream big there's nothing wrong with dreaming big but as we dream big let's start small just just take that first step Take that step, whatever it is, whatever God's leading you to, take that step. And then keep stepping, even when opposition, even when it's hard, even when it's tiring. Just keep stepping, put your head down, suck it up, drive on. And just keep going. But most of all, more than anything else, if you don't hear anything else this morning, start. If you feel that tug, start. Whatever it is, and if we can help you, if it's something we're not doing, you're like, man, I really feel called to this. Then let's help you. We'll do everything we can to do that. I love this. John Greenleaf Whittier, great preacher, says the steps of faith fall on the seeming on the seeming void, but find the rock beneath. I, I promise you that if it's a direction God's leading you, and you take that first step, you may not be able to see the ground underneath. But there's something solid under there to hold you up. Every time. We have weathered the storm. We we continue to trust God for our lives and for our families. I don't think there's any better opportunity for us to spread the gospel and to bring hope than there is right now. In this community and throughout Central Florida ladies and gentlemen, church, there are churches meeting today that still don't have power. They're out at picnic tables and they're worshiping God because he is bigger than the storms and he's asking us just to take a step. Whatever that is for you this morning, I encourage you, step, start. I want to give us a chance to respond to this. I want to give us a chance just to see because I think God has been tugging at hearts. I know he's tugged at mine and said there are things that we need to do and things that we need to move towards. And I pray just in this moment that God, he would just speak clearly to you. That you would stop, not think about where it leads or what the finish is or or how it's going to happen. See, we don't need to know how we don't need to know like when, we just need to know who. And that's God. And if God has called you to something, if God has called this church to something, may you make it clear, may we have the courage and the faith to step. And just start and see what God does with it. And trust him for the outcome. So wherever you're at this morning, if you want to go into our prayer, you can go in there. There's communion always available. If you want to worship through tithes and offering, it's available back there. If you want to just sit there and listen as the band sings and just say, God, show me. Show me the first step. And then take it. Take it. And let's see what God does with it. Let's pray.